0: Thanks for listening to the Cornerstone Chapel Middle School Podcast. Let's head into the service for this week's message. We have been talking about King Saul and David and their relationship. And as of late, their relationship has been pretty strained. You see, King David was jealous. Sorry, whoa, whoa, check. King Saul was jealous of David. He was jealous of David because David was becoming more and more famous in the land of Israel he's becoming famous because he killed a nine-foot-tall giant and saved the entire nation of Israel from destruction. So people begin singing songs. And one of the songs they sing is, Saul has killed thousands, but David has killed tens of thousands. So there's this awkward tension that's going on from Saul's behalf, and it gets so crazy. He gets so jealous of, of David and the fame that he has and the attention that he's getting that he tries to kill David. And while David is playing the harp for him and singing that song we've been talking about, uh, Saul gets so angry, he chucks his spear and tries to kill David. Then he chucks another spear and tries to kill David. Then he comes up with a scheme to try and kill David. He's like, all right, this isn't working. He's avoiding my, um, my spears. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell him he can marry my daughter because I promised him he can marry my daughter. I know he loves my daughter, Mikael." like that name mikhail Uh, i'm gonna let i'm gonna let him marry my daughter but as payment to marry her or as a wedding gift i'm going to make him kill 100 philistines in battle and his hope was that david would die in battle well unfortunately for saul david's a really good warrior And he killed 200 men in battle because he's really that cool and he liked Michal a lot. And so he's like, look how romantic he is. He killed 200 men for me. That's pretty weird. I'll be honest with you. That's kind of an awkward thing. But she she apparently liked it. And they ended up getting married. So Saul had to marry his daughter to David. And he's even angrier now. So this jealousy is building and building. So we're skipping a few chapters here. If you want to read the full story of this jealousy getting even stronger, read chapters 19 through 23 on your own time. But just to summarize what happened, after that marriage, Saul is so angry that he tries to conspire even further to kill David. In fact, he sends a special detachment of troops secretly to David's house to catch him in the morning and kill him when he comes out to work. But luckily, Michal, who is, again, Saul's daughter and now David's wife, knows about the plan, and helps David escape and distracts the troops while he gets away. And so Saul brings his daughter forward and says, how dare you do this thing? And she's like, dad, you're trying to kill my husband. What are you talking about? And he gets so angry at her, and he gets so jealous of David, that he takes Michal, and he marries her off to another man. Yeah, you're like, this isn't very happily ever after her. Yeah, marries her off to another man. Now don't worry, eventually they will be reunited, and they'll be married, but right now, he marries off his wife to somebody else. Then Saul tries to get uh, Jonathan, who was one of David's good friends, and also his son. to I'm sorry. Jonathan was Saul's son, and he tries to get his own son to kill David, his best friend. And Jonathan says, no, dad, why do you want to kill this guy? What have you had against this guy? He's done nothing wrong to you. And he gets so angry at Jonathan, his own son, because he's siding with David. He takes his spear and guess what he does? He throws it at him. Somebody needs to get the spears away from King Saul. This guy, you know, you don't put spears next to a guy who has a tendency like to just chuck things. You know, just get angry. Oh, spear. Oh, man, dude. You you got grape soda instead of orange? Spear. You know, I just, I would take the spears away from this guy. But he throws one at his own son. He's so jealous right now of David. Yeah, I know, just lightning bolts. Spear. But he's a terrible shot because he missed Jonathan, which is hilarious to me. He keeps missing people. Actually, it is quite hard to throw. I went to the men's conference uh, on uh, one, Friday night. Oh, you were there too. Yeah, and it's really hard to throw spears. They had these, like, massive javelins and these little, like, like bears you would throw them at. And it's really hard to throw a spear, so maybe I should give him a little more slack. But anyway, moving on. So then, after this takes place, and, and he misses his own son, Jonathan, David is forced to run into the wilderness away from King Saul. And as he's running, he stops at a temple, and he stops with the priest, and he says, Sir, do you have any food and maybe a weapon that I can borrow? Because he ran away as quickly as he could, didn't even grab any food or a weapon. And the priest goes, Yeah, sure, here's some food, here's, here's a weapon, go on your way. And so he kind of rolls out and then Saul comes he says hey have you seen David I'm looking for him and the priest goes yeah I I just helped him I gave him some food and a weapon and Saul says because you've helped my enemy I'm going to kill you and he does and he kills a priest so now you're realizing how deep-seated this jealousy is inside of Saul that anyone who even helps David he's killing and when David hears about this he is so distressed to hear that because of him, someone else was put to death. So David flees into the wilderness, and he hides for a time. Then it says that he actually went to Gath. Now, Gath is actually the area where Goliath was from, which means he was living in enemy territory trying to hide from Saul. He was so afraid of Saul, or he was so fearful of him, that he was hiding in another country to avoid him. That's how bad things were getting. Then he comes back from the other country and he comes back into the wilderness of Israel and he's hiding in caves and hiding in the wilderness, in the desert, wherever he can find a place to be alone or be hidden. His family hears that he's hiding, so his family goes to him. And then it says that an army of men began to draw around David. People who were rebelling against Saul were like, I don't like this guy. I don't like what he's doing. He's throwing spears at people. He threw one at me today just because I you know, spilled a little coffee. It's just ridiculous. So people start gathering around David. And he gets about 400 men, which isn't a lot, but he gets about 400 men who come around him. And they're the outsiders. And it says even some of them were old criminals or some people who maybe had debts start gathering around David. So David has this kind of ragtag, random army that's kind of being grown together. And he's roaming through the desert. And Saul is pursuing him everywhere that he goes. And the story picks up here in chapter 24 with Saul pursuing with all of his might after David. And just to summarize everything that I just said, in case you weren't listening, uh, let me just summarize it right here, okay? Saul hates David, okay? He's throwing spears at him, he's giving his wife away to other people, he's killing people who help him. He hates him a lot, and he wants him dead real bad. So, pick up here in chapter 24, verse 1. It says this. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, David is in the desert of Gedai. So Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all of Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. He came to the sheep pen along the way, and a cave was there. And Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave. Guys, I love the Bible. Because sometimes the Bible is just cool and dangerous. And sometimes the Bible is really, really funny. Okay, God, God laughs. God created laughter. And this is funny. Let me explain why, okay? So Saul is looking for this David. He's so angry at this guy. He wants to find him and kill him. So he's wandering through the wilderness looking for David with 3,000 men. Now, David's David's 400 men are no match for Saul's 3,000. So if they were found, they'd have a battle, but most likely David and his men would be killed. So they're hiding for their lives. So Saul is looking, oh, man, I want to find this kid. I want to kill him. I want to get a spear. I want to put it in this face. Spear, base, spear, base, spear. And he's probably holding a spear, and his guys are like, whoa, hey, bro, let's take it easy, okay? And so as they're walking through the wilderness, they don't have 7-Elevens back then. They don't have rest stops or McDonald's. Um, so Saul has to go. If you know what I mean. He's, he's, got, he's got to go. And there's a cave. And he goes, all right, man, uh, let's uh, gather up here, okay? All right, you guys uh, guard this area. I'm going to go inspect this cave. And someone's like, you want me to come with you? No, no, it's just going to be me, this toilet paper, and this newspaper, okay? I'm going to go inspect the cave. Uh, you want me to go in after you? No, don't come in after me. No one should come in the cave after I've been in here, okay? Trust me. So I'm going to head in here just do some inspecting. We all just chill, okay? And so he goes in there to relieve himself. That's the Bible being really nice about him going number two in a cave. Anyway, um, he, he's pooping. That's what we're talking about. Okay, right, just making sure you understood. I can't believe I just said that word in a sermon. Ah, but it's in the Bible, so I'm okay. It's in the Bible. Anyway, so he goes into the cave for some privacy, he thinks. And he, he sits down towards the opening, and he, he starts going to the bathroom. Okay. Unbeknownst to him, in the back of the cave, because the cave's dark, okay, are 400 men who he's trying to find and kill. And his greatest enemy is in the back of the cave. David's in there. So all the men, just imagine the tension, okay? All 400 men are hiding in the back of the cave because they know Saul's army is coming by. And they're like, oh, please don't find us. Oh my goodness, he's walking in the cave. He found us. He knows where, why is he sitting down? Why is he taking off his pants? Why is he reading? a? Oh, what is, oh, come on, what is going on? And they can't make a noise either. So they're just like, Oh, and they can't make any noise because they're back in the cave and they see. They're, so poor, I almost feel bad for Saul, but not really. But he thinks he's alone and really 400 people are watching him go to the bathroom. I mean, this just, it's just a bad day, guys. That's a bad day. So that's why, the Bible's funny. Come on. God didn't have to do it this way, but he chose to because it's just hilarious. So all the men are in the cave. I mean, this is, just picture what this is like. This would be like before he died, Osama bin Laden going into a cave to go to the bathroom. And in the back of the cave are 400 Navy SEALs. That would be the equivalent of what's happening here, okay? So he's, he's just down. He's just doing his thing. You know, just doing his thing. And uh, we continue down here in verse 4. It says, the men said, I, they probably whispered. They said, this is the day that the Lord spoke when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off the corner of Saul's robe. Afterwards, David was conscience-stricken for having cut off the corner of his robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should go and do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lift my hand against him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went on his way. Well, that's a little anticlimactic. So his men say to him, "Do, David this is your chance. Dude, this is perfect. He's alone. There's 400 of us. One of him. He, he doesn't have his sword with him because when you um, were doing the thing that he's doing right here, uh, you would take off your outer robe and you would put down your weapon and then you would go do the thing in the little king's room. Okay? So he's doing his thing. He doesn't even have a weapon on him right now. His pants are around his ankles. Okay? If he stood up, he'd probably fall over and trip. Okay? They're like, this is perfect. It could not be easier to kill him right now. A boy could, oh wait, you already did that. Okay, maybe anyone could kill him right now. This is perfect, David. Perfect. So David begins to creep up, and imagine the tension, okay? Saul so doesn't know anything's going on. He's just, little little he's just doing his thing, okay? 400 men are watching, like, kill him, kill him, kill him. Well, probably not chanting louder and louder, because then he'd be like, why do I hear a chant? Kill him, kill him, kill him. Weird. Anyway, so he's doing his thing. David gets closer and closer, and his men are watching, like, come do it. And he takes out his sword. He's got a sword in one hand and probably his other hand over his nose. And he's getting closer and closer to Saul. And then he stops. And they're probably like, he might have passed down from the smell. I don't know. I, I, we don't know what happened. So he stops at his robe, his clothing, and he cuts off a piece of his clothing. Now again, his clothing wasn't attached to him at this time. It took off his robe. So he cuts off a piece of the robe. And he goes, I got it. And they're like, what? And he starts coming back. And they're like, why? No, we don't, no, we don't need a piece of cloth. Like, are you making toilet paper for him? Like, what are you doing? Like, dude, come on. And he creeps back to his men, and he says, guys, God put this man as king, and it is not my responsibility to kill him right now. That's not what God would have me do. This men are like, what? And probably his men are like, can I kill him, please? I'm tired of running and hiding in the desert, please? And uh, David goes, no, no one is going to touch him. So he gets up, does his thing, finishes his business, and then leaves the cave, okay? Then something else happens. Check this out. It says in verse 8, then David went out of the cave and called to Saul, my lord, the king, So, imagine David's men. There would be a little bit of frustration if I'm one of David's men, okay? Here's your enemy, the guy trying to kill you and all of your friends, okay? And he comes in the cave. He's weaponless. He has his pants around his ankles to where he would trip. And there's 400 of you in the cave. You can kill him. And then David goes up and doesn't kill him. He cuts off a piece of his clothing. Great job, David. Cool. Uh, You can kill giants, but you can't kill a dude with his pants around his ankles. Okay, perfect. Then... He says, all right, I'm going to go out there. Wait, where, where are you going? He probably steps over uh, that stuff. And then he goes outside and he goes, hey, Saul. And they're like, we're dead. This is, we're de- We're so dead. Okay, we are so dead. Now you want to talk to him? Now you want to make your presence known that uh, he's got his pants on and his army with him now? And he yells out to Saul. And he says, my, my lord, the king. And David talks for a little bit. And essentially, David says, Saul, why are you chasing after me? Saul, what have I done wrong to you? Saul, what crime have I committed? Have I rebelled against you or done something wrong that you're trying to kill me? Why are you chasing me? And then he says, I just had the opportunity, Saul, to kill you. I was in the cave that you were just in. And here is a piece of your robe to prove that I was so close to you that I could have killed you. I cut off a piece of your robe. Here it is. So he did that to prove to Saul that he had the opportunity to kill him. And he says, even though I had that opportunity, I didn't do it. Because God put you as king. Because I want to respect you. And then it, it ends here in verse 12 when he says, May the Lord judge between me, or you and me. And may the Lord avenge the wrong that you have done to me. by my hand, but, but my hand will not touch you. As the old saying goes, from evil doer comes evil deeds. So my hand will not touch you. So essentially he says, look, if God wants to punish you for what you did wrong, that's his affair. He can handle that. But I am not going to be the one who's going to punish you for the wrong that you've done. I'm not going to be the one to get revenge. I'm not going to be the one to to get even with you, Saul. In fact, I'm going to give you forgiveness and mercy for the wrong that you have done to me. I want us to understand how insane this is. Because what's going to happen is Saul will, will... plead for forgiveness, I'm so sorry, I should have done that, it's funny because Saul ends by his forgiveness, or uh, his apology, and he says, you want to come home, and David's like, no, I don't really want to go home with you right now, I just feel like maybe you need to cool off for a little bit, so you go back, and so Saul, out of respect for David, and of realizing that he's wrong, and that he truly wronged David, Saul goes home, and David's men have a time of peace, And you got to wonder, when David got back to the cave, what his men said to him? you got to wonder if his men said to him, David, um, I don't know if you've been paying attention, but do you realize all of the wrong that this man has done to you? Just to recap here, David, about what Saul has done. Saul has thrown a spear at your face twice and tried to kill you. Saul has taken your wife away from you and married her off to another man. Saul attacked you in your home at night when you were trying to sleep. Saul killed anyone who would help you. Anyone who would help you. Saul has been chasing you for years now, because years have gone by by this point. He's been chasing you for years through the desert. You've had to live in caves rather than palaces, and you've had to hide every day not knowing whether you would live or die. Do you realize what he's done to you? Do you realize the damage that he's done? He's killed a priest. He's he's again married off your wife. Do do you realize everything that he's done? And, and, And through it all, he doesn't feel sorry for what he's done. Why then? When you have the chance to end it, to destroy your enemy, to destroy this person who has insulted you and mocked you and tried to beat you down and kill you, why would you, in this one moment where you have the opportunity to get even, to get revenge, to give him what he deserves, because David, he deserves it. David, he has earned death by what he has done. David, if anybody deserves to die, it's Saul. You kill a priest, you deserve to die. If you marry someone's wife off to somebody else, you deserve to die. If you try and kill someone multiple times, David, he deserves to die. Why didn't you kill him? You ever find yourself wanting to get even with people? You ever find yourself wanting to get revenge on people? We talked last week about being happy for other people when good things happen to them. Well, are there ever times where you're happy when bad things happen to other people? Maybe particular people? Maybe somebody you don't like? Maybe you just got that person in class and they are just your nemesis. I mean, your arch nemesis. Like, you get a B on a test, they get an A+. And they look at you like, (laughs) oh, what? You can't spell awesome without an A+. And you're like, well, you can't spell Barrett without a B. I don't know. And, and then, you know, you kind of have this competition going on. Maybe you're in you're MPE, and it's like, ha, I scored a touchdown. And, and the other guy's like, oh, really? I've scored three. That's 300% more than you. Yeah, that's right. I'm still better than you in math. Ha, 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 And football. And this guy's just like, oh, man, I hate this guy. And then maybe it's freezing cold outside. And this guy takes your jacket and puts it in the toilet and flushes it. He's like, I call this a Saul special. <laughs> and he like flushing the toilet all over it. And he's like, oh man, he had to walk home in a freezing cold coat. And look, like, I hate that guy. My goodness. And then you find out that the guy has been gossiping about you. And telling people that you sleep in a onesie pajama. The awkward part is you actually did sleep in a onesie pajama. And he was right. And you're embarrassed. Like, oh man, this is terrible. And he starts spreading rumors about you and gossiping about you. And, and then, then one fateful day, you stroll into class. And uh, you, you recognize something. Um, you recognize that inside of his desk is the wallet of the teacher. The teacher goes, Hey, has anyone seen my wallet? And he's kind of getting nervous over there and sweating a little bit. And you raise your hand, you go, Yes, teacher, I've seen the wallet. And you look at him, I know exactly where the wallet is. And he's like, wait, no, what do what you, no, no, no. Right there, teacher, kill him, get me a spear. <laughs> like you're so excited because you now you get even with him, and he gets taken out of the classroom, and he's looking at you, and you're like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh goodbye, go away forever. And you just, like, do a little personal concert, dancing to yourself, like, that is what he deserves. And maybe even the class applause, like, well done, Barrett, well done. That's just amazing. We hate that guy, too. Now imagine, okay, a little more intense. Someone is trying to kill you, right? Trying to kill you. A little more intense than, uh, you know, gossiping about you or putting your jacket in a toilet. Trying to kill you force you to leave your home, to live outside in the cold and in the heat. Anyone who tried to help you, they killed them. And then imagine you have the opportunity to end all your suffering, to kill that person. And then you can say, well, well, they would kill me if they had the chance. They've been trying to for years. Well, 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 they deserve this. They deserve death by what they've done. I'm justified. I'm right to do this, and I want to get even. I want to get revenge because they've hurt me, and so I I think it's right that I can hurt them. Why is it that that's wrong? Why is it that we, we can't get even with our enemies or we should not seek revenge? Romans actually tells us, Romans chapter 12 tells us very specifically, It says, do not seek revenge. It actually says this. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. You might say, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, That should read, if your enemy is hungry, laugh at him. If your enemy is thirsty, give him a cup of water that you have poured salt in, and you can laugh at him as he spits it out. If your enemy is in need... You laugh, and then you make him need even greater. If your enemy is in your hands, and you have the chance to destroy him, destroy him. It should read that, but it says, no, 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 don't take revenge on your enemy. Actually, the people that uh, hate you and your enemy, you should help them. You read that, and you're like, okay, that does not make any sense. Why would you help the people that hate you? Like, why wouldn't I? I mean, I like the people that like me, but why would I like the people that hate me? That doesn't really make sense to me here. Well, let me explain it real simple, actually. Uh, Why it is that we should love our enemy, why it is that we should forgive the people who won't forgive us, why we should spare the person who would kill us and not spare us. The reason is because you and I. Were enemies of God and he loved us. Every person in this room in this room is currently or was at one time an enemy of God. enemy of God. Uh, you don't believe me, listen to this, Colossians chapter 1 verse 21. Once you were alienated from God, you were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior, Romans chapter 5 verse 10. For if while we were enemies, or were God's enemies, so two different verses saying, hey, we were enemies of God once. Check this out, guys. God is 100% perfect, holy, righteous, blameless. And anything that is evil, because he is good, he hates all evil. And you might be like, good, yeah, he should hate all evil, he should smite those evil people and um here's the problem um all of us are evil all of us and that's when it gets kind of awkward uh, awkward turtle because if god hates all evil and all of us are evil that means that god has this righteous anger against us and that means that we are god's enemy do you see the problem there if God were to destroy all evil in the world, He would destroy all of humanity because we are evil. And here's the crazy thing: we um, we haven't treated God very well. We haven't treated Him the way that He deserves. Just like Saul did not treat David the way that He deserved to be treated, we did not treat God, or we do not treat God the way that He deserves to be treated. We mock God. We insult Him. We disobey him. We rebel against his authority and his kingship. And though he tells us what to do, we do the opposite. And in our minds, there is evil and there is wretchedness within our hearts and in our minds. Guys, we were or we currently are enemies of God. We don't think about that often, but we were or we are. But while we were enemies of God, uh, Romans chapter five finishes the verse. It says, for if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more so having been reconciled will we be saved through his life? What that means is this. Look, while we were still sinners, while we were enemies of God far apart, Jesus looked on us and says, hey, I love them. I love him. And, and I wanna save them. He looked on us while we had rebelled against him, while we had sinned, while we had rejected him, while we had disobeyed him. And he says, I love them and I want them to be saved. And Jesus came to earth for us, not because we were good, but because we were sinful, and said, I will die for all of humanity. And the reason that I'm gonna die is so that their sin might be removed. So the evil that is within them might be brought out. And so when God looks at them, he doesn't see his enemy anymore. He looks at them and those who are forgiven, those who have believed in Jesus to save them from their sin, he doesn't look at them and see a sinner anymore. He looks at them and he sees them as perfect. And he doesn't see them as his enemy anymore. He sees them as his sons and as his daughters. You see, the reason I said that he sees some of us as his enemies and some of us he once saw as his enemies is because anyone Anyone, regardless of your sin, regardless of your past, or regardless even of your future, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, anyone who says, Jesus, I have sinned, I I have been an enemy of you, I've done wrong, forgive me of my sin, I believe in you. Anyone who does that is ceasing their rebellion against God. They are no longer an enemy of God, but they are made righteous by the work of Jesus through their faith. And in that moment, they are no longer God's enemy. They are his son or his daughter. Guys, that's beautiful. Jesus looked on us while we were here as God's enemy and said, I will die for my enemy. I will take the place of my enemy so that they would no longer be an enemy to God but they would be a son or daughter of God and they can be removed of their sin, removed of their past mistakes and that when God looks at them, he doesn't see his enemy, he sees his son or his daughter and he loves them. How amazing is that? That we can be called sons and daughters of God though we rebelled against him or were his enemy. How much more so then Should when we see our enemy, how much more so should we show them compassion? Should we show them love? And how much more so should we not try and get even with them? Because make sure you understand this. If God had chosen to not save us and to destroy us for our sin, that would have been okay because it's what we deserve. David, if he had killed Saul, it would be what Saul deserved. He had done wrong, and the punishment for that would have been his own death. And God later will punish Saul for his mistakes. We'll find that next week. But understand something with me. Though we deserve death, though we deserve punishment, Jesus gave us something that we do not deserve, which was love. And you cannot deserve it, not by being a good enough person or a good enough Christian. You cannot earn the love that was given to you. You cannot earn the forgiveness or the mercy or the gift that has been awarded to you. It's a gift. All that we need to do is accept the gift that we were given. That's all we need to do. While we were enemies of God, he loved us. In our life, the enemies that we have, we should love and forgive and show mercy towards because he loved us when we were his enemies. How much more so should we love our enemies on this earth? Let's pray. Father God, I ask that when people do us wrong, Lord, when we have enemies in this world and in this life, God, that we would not seek to get even. We would not seek revenge, but Lord, we would seek to love them to help them even, Lord. For while we were enemies of you, Lord, while we were dead in our sin and deserving of destruction for what we have done wrong, Jesus, you looked on us with mercy and compassion and love, and you saved us. And you removed our sins so that when God the Father looks at us, he does not see someone who is sinful and an enemy, but he looks on us and he sees his own son or his own daughter he loves us, Lord. What an amazing gift that you give us through faith in the work of Jesus in dying on the cross for the sin and for the punishment that was ours. Thank you for that, Lord, that you love us while we were your enemies. Might we love our own enemies, Lord, and be compassionate towards them. It's in your name we pray these things. Amen. Amen.